Hurricane Sandy, Anatomy of a Superstorm. 2012 courtesy the British Broadcasting Company. About 1500 miles to the southeast in the Caribbean Sea, a hurricane is forming. In five days time, it will write itself into New York's history books. Hurricanes are systems that are born in the tropics, and they need to have 26 degrees Celsius, approximately 80 degrees Fahrenheit water, to get the systems going. Air heated by the ocean rises up into the sky. This moist ocean air forms huge clouds. Air rushes in to fill the void, and a cycle of circulation from bottom to top and back begins. This huge volume of circulating air is sitting above the rotating Earth. Air accelerates towards the low pressure center of the storm and interacts with the spin of the Earth, causing the winds to turn anti-clockwise. This is the birth of a hurricane. True crime. Sex. Political conspiracy. Celebrity gossip. Murder. UFOs. Crooked officials. The occult. Assassination. Courtroom drama. Rape. Corporate scams. Scandal sheets. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Scandal Sheet. My name is Thad Helsley, and I am joined by my amazing co-host from the great state of Alaska, Ellie. And no episode would be complete without our artificial intelligence engine, Bernice. Thank you. Quick heads up. I'm signing the two of you up to bring a case of vodka at my next hurricane watch party. I can't wait for that, Bernice. Ellie, you have been doing all kinds of amazing outdoor summer things over the last several weeks. And I assume you were hanging out with your secret Bigfoot and alien buddies out there in the wilderness? I was. Actually, I was just um, on the coast of Oregon, and I am pretty sure I saw not just one, but like 12,000 big, really smelly Bigfoots in the form of um, like runners who are crazy enough to run from Mount Hood all the way to the coast of Oregon. I think like... That's something that non-humans like to do. So that was definitely a uh, big foot. Maybe it was aliens. I'm not sure. You mentioned the run from Mount Hood. You want to tell us and the listeners uh, a little bit about your adventures over the past few weeks? Yeah. So um, I definitely think I saw aliens, approximately like 12,000 aliens running from Mount Hood all the way to the coast of Oregon because normal human beings don't do that. So um, I'm convinced that running on less than two hours of sleep, anywhere from 15 to 17 miles is only an alien thing. So I can confirm from the previous episodes that we've done, I think aliens exist and you can go find them all in Oregon right now. (laughs) So, well, tell me how this relay thing works. I'm so 200 miles and there were 12 of you. 12. Yeah. 12 of us on our team and everybody has three legs. Three legs. Each leg is anywhere from like four to seven miles. And um, so you, you start at the, at the Timberline Lodge on Mount Hood and then you have 12 runners, six in each van And so the first six runners kind of, you know, go and the van goes from exchange point to exchange point. And then van two picks up and then the vans kind of leapfrog. But then all of your all of your runners are running these legs and kind of passing the baton, which is like a time slap bracelet. And um, then you finish on the beach in Seaside, Oregon. Nice. Nice. So how do the rest of us get jobs where uh, they pay you to go on vacation three weeks a month? 
<laughs> I don't get paid to go on vacation. <laughs> Two and a half? Is that it? You're, I'm just cutting corners here. <laughs> So we, I mean, we do, we have very weird schedules, you know, as airline pilots. So I might work 15, 16, 17 days a month, but you know, all those normal fun things that people do after work, I do those in the other 12, 13, 14, 15 days I have off per month. So because I, you know, have pretty long blocks of time off, it just means that you get to maybe do some bigger adventures than you otherwise would. You know, I think if you work a Monday through Friday, nine to five. Well, after 5 p.m., you're occupying your time with something, but you're only limited. You're limited on what you can do because you have to go to bed and wake up and go to work the next day. But all of a sudden, those four hours in the evening that you're doing your hobbies extends into four or five days, then you can do a lot. I I wouldn't call it vacation. I think vacation is kind of like Vacation is just like sitting on the beach with like unlimited drinks and soaking up the sun or something like that. But I do a lot of adventuring. Okay. Um, so you're 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 drawing a different. A vacation would be lying on the beach, getting a drunk on, and then adventuring is running 200 miles or climbing a mountain or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So we started this relay on Friday morning after not. I mean, I didn't sleep much like Thursday. We all got into Portland on Thursday and then drove up to the lodge and and then I mean we run throughout the night, right? So you know, we run. Yeah, and, and when you're not running, you're driving the van to the next spot and, you know, mm-hmm. trying to change out of one grimy running outfit and putting on a clean pair of clothes and trying to find food and stuff like that. So and then wait in line for really long porta potties for really long lines for really stinky porta potties, I should say. And, wow. um, and then you get like two hours of sleep just laying down on a tarp in the middle of a field with earplugs in. So, and that's really just because your body starts like completely shutting down. So it's fun. I would not call it vacation. I would call it like voluntary torture, maybe. Yeah, no, I hear you. So I did uh, quite a few races, nothing quite that ambitious, but uh, certainly tons of half marathons and, you know, climb some mountains and things of that nature. So I, you know, I get what you're saying. It's, it's not, it's a form of recreation, but it's, you know, it's usually pretty painful, you know, running a marathon or whatever. But anyways, so Ellie, in our, in our last two episodes, we've been doing this cherished summer memories mini series. And uh, just to catch people up, we've talked about scandals and controversies surrounding first, it was amusement parks, and then it was sharks. And also, I want to update our listeners. I did survive that shark attack in the last episode. It was, it was a relatively modest attack, as as these things go. And I am starting to get hang, uh, starting to get the hang of using this prosthetic leg. Oh, good. I do they make you? Do they make them very robotic now? You know, and very lifelike. I'm. I'm. I think I'm on like the cheap Obamacare sort of the step in plan. So mine's just kind of like plastic snap on one no, one step no. above a peg leg pretty much i'm pretty much yeah i'm I, that's they're calling me captain hook or something yeah that's exactly it well um, th- thanks for doing that for the podcast i mean anything for the pod i know our listeners really appreciate it and you know getting a live shark attack on air definitely boosted the listenership so people liked in a very sick way listening to someone get 
attacked by a shark. And it's probably similar to me, you know, dying on that ride at Super Funland, almost dying and then having to get rescued. Yeah, you didn't die. That was the thing. We saved you, remember? Yeah. So you got to appreciate that. So... (laughs) Anyway, so today we're going to be talking about another uh, summer activity that almost no one in the United States, no matter where you're located, can avoid. And that is summer storms. And in just a few minutes, we're going to have a surprise special guest who was a personal witness to Hurricane Sandy when it struck New York City, which may have been the worst hurricane that has ever hit Manhattan since Dutch settlers came in the 1600s. But before we have that interview, I wanted to remind everyone that hurricanes and tornadoes are not the only deadly summer storms. Thunderstorms can be just as deadly. I wanted to play this clip real quick, as it only happened days ago in front of the White House. Clip from the evening news broadcast of NBC4 in Washington, D.C. on August 5th, 2022, courtesy Comcast NBC Universal. Breaking right now, a third person is dead tonight after last night's lightning strike by the White House. Yeah, we're told the latest victim is a 29-year-old man. Two other people, a couple visiting D.C. for their wedding anniversary, were also killed at Lafayette Square. News 4's Darcy Spencer has more tonight on the victims and the doctors who just happened to be there and rushed to help. This video taken from the Washington Monument shows the severe lightning storm Thursday night. Lightning hit this tree just steps from the White House, critically injuring four people. This couple from Wisconsin died from their injuries. Relatives say Donna and Jim Mueller, both in their mid-70s, were high school sweethearts. They were in D.C. for their 56th wedding anniversary. A third person, a 29-year-old man, has also died. You know, are are we sure that's not just Trump throwing thunderbolts at us because he's just still really upset about the 2020 election results? Well, possibly. But, you know, we are below the Mason-Dixon line here in the Mid-Atlantic. And in the past several years, you know, we really have had a much more near tropical weather pattern. I mean, it's not the Caribbean, but severe thunderstorm warnings occur uh, four days a week in the summer. And then they always happen around 5 p.m., just when rush hour traffic is is hitting its peak. And then the streets uh, have flash floods and the power goes off for a few hours. So it's very strange to see, you know, only a few hundred yards from my house, a first responder crew in a motorboat rescuing a mom and her kid from the front seat of a GMC Yukon, you know, which is literally floating down uh, Virginia Highway 29. You know, and the Yukon is like the biggest SUV you could buy. It's like a $73,000 car. So yeah, that is one of the weird things. So it's kind of Twilight Zone-ish. You know, that's interesting that they're having to rescue people out of SUVs in a place like Virginia, because I remember when I lived in Houston, they, every time we would have a hard rain and especially after like Hurricane Harvey and stuff, I mean, the roads would just be completely flooded and that would, you know, start to flood people's houses. But the excuse for that is that there's been so much growth in the area with roads and driveways and parking lots that there, when it rains, there's nowhere for the water to go. There's, you know, very limited places for the water to drain. And so I wonder, you know, with the development in the greater DC area, like where you live, I wonder if that's a factor 
in some of these thunderstorms because not only are they getting wetter um, from what I've read online, you know, the, the heavy thunderstorms are producing more water. But I wonder if it's also just that, you know, you have more growth in the area, more parking lots, more driveways, more roads. And so therefore your water just has less place to go when it actually rains. Do you have any cherished summer memories with storms? So not to steal our guest's thunder, but I do have a favorite summer memory, and that is also a hurricane. And I realize it's just about five years, probably to the day-ish, that it happened. And I was living in Houston during Hurricane Harvey, and I was living with two friends, and our house had a pool. And after about day three, and I should clarify, you know, Hurricane Harvey did not just roll straight through Houston. I mean, it came over Houston, just sat and it rained for, I think, four or five days straight. So everybody got pretty serious cabin fever just because you couldn't really leave your house and you just had to sit in your house and it was raining outside. So it wasn't like it was that much fun to go outside. And I was getting pretty serious cabin fever. So on day three, I just came downstairs in my swimsuit and ran outside and did a cannonball in the pool and we you know blew up all the pool floaties and we uh just hung out in the pool and had a hurricane pool party and that that year ended up our christmas card photo ended up being the picture of us in the pool just in our pool floaties during hurricane harvey because everyone was saying you know calling and texting and asking if we were okay and we were like yep we're fine it's just just a pool party and so that that was fun that was just an excellent way to relieve cabin fever during during Harvey. So Thad, I don't want to assume that as a child who grew up in the Midwest, that your favorite cherished storm memory is a tornado. But I do assume that maybe it is a tornado. So the first half of my childhood was spent in the upper peninsula of the state of Michigan, a place that geographically should probably be part of Canada. But uh, I was up there until age seven or eight, and I had never even heard of the word tornado. But then we moved to downstate Illinois, which is like 200 miles south of Chicago. And other than Russian missiles, tornadoes suddenly became the greatest existential threat of my childhood. It would be very difficult to say there was a single cherished summer memory with a tornado, as it seemed like every two or three days there would be another tornado and we'd go through the same routine uh, huddling down in the basement with the sirens going off in the in the background listening to the transistor radio with a battery you know to get the reports so um, it's just sort of a, a just sort of a blur of fear and terror and so with all those Midwest tornadoes how many girls named Dorothy from your school just disappeared afterwards <laughs> Good one. So, Ellie, we are very pleased to welcome back a familiar friend and listener favorite from the famous Mets Mob podcasters who have been frequent guests on this pod and others. So we are joined by Rob from the east side of Manhattan. Welcome back to the pod, Rob. Thank you, Thad. Norma, thank you. Normally, at this point, when I'm with the Mets mob, the the three of us, all of us, all go, all go, woo, 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 woo. It seems a little self-serving to do that just with myself. So 
I'll again just say thank you very much and a pleasure to be here. Uh, you, you've got the cream of the crop. <laughs> <laughs> you've got the Beyonce of the Destiny's Child. Yes, exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> per- perfect example. Yes. So, so Rob, as a member of the Mets Mob, yep. obviously we have to give you an opportunity to brag on your team as they are doing so outstanding this year. Um, as our listeners know, the Mets have been uh, the historic, a historic National League East rival of the Washington Nationals right. since the Nationals showed up here in 2005. Of course, this year, the Nationals are the very worst team in the history of MLB baseball. And <laughs> conversely, the Mets are clearly either one of or even the best team. So, Rob, what's your prognostication for the rest of the Mets season? Right. And again, knowing that this is scandal sheet, not the, not the Mets mob, I will keep it brief and tight. It's an interesting year. Uh, we, we picked it, you, you picked an interesting day to ask me that question as your old buddy Max Scherzer loses a one nothing game to the Colorado Rockies? Really? Um, but they are uh, arguably one of the best teams in the National League. Uh, East, certainly, uh, based on the standings. But uh, those that play yeah. the Braves, whoo uh, I don't think they're going to lose the rest of the way. So it, it uh, I, and I say that only half jokingly, apparently, based on what they've been. But doing. But you guys I are think, so far ahead. I mean, you've got like eighty-four wins already, don't you? Yes, but, uh, I think I think about a month ago, the the Mets were ten games in front of the Braves, and now they're, I think, two and a half. I don't know if the Braves played this afternoon already. If they if they did, and well, what's that word? Lost. Um, and the Mets <laughs> three games. Ahead, uh, and if they didn't, only two. So it, it's going to be a nail biter. That stated, uh, with the new format that they have, I think uh, everybody gets a trophy. Everybody makes the playoffs, uh, except for the except for um, the Washington, the Washington National. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, we're going to be selling hot dogs. That's. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. We're going to be selling beer. So working yeah. for tips. Yeah. But it's it's been a fun year so far, and, and we got a couple of we got a couple of months to go. So let's go Mets. Rob, one of the most or maybe the biggest hit on New Jersey and Manhattan ever was Hurricane Sandy. And that was 10 years ago in 2012. Uh, I and some of my friends like don't really remember it that well, but YouTube videos never go away. Bernice, can you give us a top line of this historic storm? Hurricane Sandy was the deadliest, most destructive and strongest hurricane of the 2012 Atlantic hurricane season. The storm inflicted nearly $70 billion in damages and killed 233 people across eight countries from the Caribbean to Canada. The storm became the largest Atlantic hurricane on record as measured by diameter, with tropical storm force winds spanning 1,150 miles. In the United States, Hurricane Sandy affected 24 states, including the entire eastern seaboard from Florida to Maine. It inflicted particularly severe damage in New Jersey and New York. Its storm surge hit New York City on October 29, flooding streets, tunnels and subway lines and cutting power in and around the city. So, Rob, what is your juicy Hurricane Sandy story? And I think you mentioned that your mother's was even worse. So we want to hear all all the hot, juicy gossip from 10 years ago. Right. So... Here's the interesting thing. When, when my friend Thad came to me with the, with the topic of what you were doing, and I can't help but recall the, the classic A Tale of Two Cities, there is how Sandy impacted 
me and conversely my wife. We didn't have our daughter at the time. Or did we? I don't even remember. What was it, 10 years ago? Yeah, I guess. 10 years ago in yeah. October. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess we did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to know how old your kids are, you know. Very, uh, very handsome. <laughs> not all that bright. Brief reminder. Not all that bright. Ter- terrible at math. Um, so That's why you're in sales. Yeah. The, the, the greatest collection of C students ever assembled. So what happened was, again, a, a tale of two cities. It is how it impacted my family directly being here in Manhattan, and then how it affected others. So it, 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 the, the, the comedic part, if you will, if there's anything not necessarily funny about it, but Sandy didn't really affect me personally at all. My, my wife and I joke about the fact that for us, I believe there was one point right in the middle of Sandy where we were unintentionally complaining that our cable service was a little slow. And we, we, we looked at each other and we we're like, oh, what, uh, what, completely in, what a completely insensitive statement that is uh, in, in the middle of, of a nightmare. But yeah, we were like, oh, come on. I remember, I remember hitting the, the remote and we're like, oh, come on, look how slowly it's moving. What are we doing here? As a result of being in a high rise in the middle of Manhattan. So that was, it was so, yeah, so, so how it affected me personally, uh, directly, I should say, mm, thankfully, uh-huh. minimally. But as I alluded to, yeah, so my mother lives in the Burbs, uh, and she lives in a, in a, in a, in a, in a town in, uh, that is ne- very much near the water. And she lives in a house, and what happened was is that the and and it's a it's a two family house but but she owns the whole thing and the the bottom floor is street level so the the sewers had overflowed they flooded and she had on her ground floor uh, all of a sun a uh, shall we say indoor pool where it was with sewage water sewage water so, oh, this is a juicy story. Yeah. So, if no. anybody was thinking of doing laps, uh, you, uh, probably not the best of ideas. And not only was the, it was just that you know, but that would be it, like laps in a porta potty, though, right? Laps. Uh, yes. <laughs> it builds your immune system. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, so basically, if like you're going to, to uh, you know, like you're like right, like a porta party, like giant stadium. If you you know you open up the oh, lid and you, you decided to, to, to jump in, it reminds me of that scene in Schindler's List. Ugh. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just just to, just to gross everybody out. <laughs> yeah. So and again, if not just for the total gross of that, certainly the smell uh, was was yeah. pro- was highly problematic and. There was there was a bunch of she was using it as uh, storage uh, for a whole bunch of stuff and all of that just got washed away so to speak so just a, just a long ongoing nightmare uh, in in managing that for for my poor mother. Well, how long did that oh take to God. clean up? I mean, what was involved in that? Yeah, I mean that that's a couple of years where they have to come and they really? have to. They have to scrub the, the 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 rust and the dirt and the grime and the just the the they they actually there was water behind the walls. So just when you think that you've you've mopped everything up, you've swept everything away, there is that uh, odd swishy sound uh, as you tap the wall. 
to all of a sudden note that there's water behind there and between the studs between yeah. the studs and what's back yeah. there and what kind of fungus and and uh, amoebae and just dirt and virus but so, oh. so, so did they just people... end up taking all the drywall out yeah all that had to be replaced and yeah. just just a, just a nightmare so one of my favorite expressions is everything is relative so as as much of a nightmare as that was you know, I had some other friends uh, impacted to an even greater extent. I had one friend who I who I touched base with before speaking to you nice folks, and I just got some bullet points from him. He'd actually had his house wiped away. Uh, we'll refer to him as Donk, D-O-N-K. Uh, and Donk, just his house, he lived out in the island, and his house was just literally washed away. He had to, um, he had to live in in housing that was paid for if it, if it looks and sounds like I'm reading notes it's because I am uh, he he had uh, FEMA was paying uh, the rental assist for him he, he his wife and his two kids uh, which I remember that he had kids apparently I didn't remember I had one of my own um, and, and <laughs> too, so too they, focused on cables like yeah, God damn it where's you know, HBO that, where's my you know, game when I want to watch Breaking Bad damn it, I need it now <laughs> Uh, so they had to do that for a few years, and then they had to then and, New York and, and Rising. Rob, when, when you say for those of us who are not New Yorkers, when you say yeah. the island, what do you mean? And we're talking about Long Island. Long Island is that gotcha. the Long Island? Long Island. So long, but Long Island long. can be Brooklyn, Queens, or the Bronx, no, right? no. It's more Nassau County, Suffolk County. And that oh, includes, okay. That includes the, the, the stuff east of all that, right? Yeah. The the, the yeah. Which is it's not actually part of the New York City proper, right? Long no, it's, is its own thing. No, it's in the summertime where a lot of uh, New York City folk uh, go out to escape the big city. So they'll right. go out to the beaches of Long Island. Uh, so and get attacked by sharks now. And get attacked by, by sharks. Uh, yeah. And, and, and other, ride the roller coasters at Coney Island. Uh, not actually Long Island, but I guess on the way out uh, there if you wanted different? to, sure. Uh, you can that's, tell I don't know anything about New York. No, that's Brooklyn. Um, that's Brooklyn, baby. That's Brooklyn. Come on. Nathan's hot dogs. Come on. What are we doing here? Yes! Um, I love it, man. So, Joey Chestnut is my guy. Oh, uh, by the way, quick quick side note. I was actually a, uh, true story, um, a judge at the hot dog eating contest for about 10 years. Uh, if you want to do a scandal sheet about that, yeah. The 4th of July one? The Fourth of July one, yeah, I did Holy that for about ten years. Why, why you, oh, you tell me how now? How did we not know this? Yeah, sure. It's like you're, it's like you're telling me you're Superman, Clark Kent. That By is the way, <laughs> I, I was also the American ambassador to Italy for six years. Did I ever met? No, I'm. I'm, I'm That's not <laughs> exciting. We want to know about the hot dog eating. I also yeah, walked we'll on the that. moon with 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 uh, Neil Armstrong. Of course, we I will. Was yeah, four we'll at talk the time. about that another time. <laughs> Equally, are there any good scandals with the hot dog eating? There are. We, we should do. We sh- yes, we should do a whole other a whole other podcast about that. We could. Well, uh, we still have plenty of summer for our summer series. Yeah, we can. Uh, maybe we can invite my brother, who used to do it with me, and he he's actually he knows a few of the uh, he knows a few of the eaters. And there was there's actually an interesting story, but we we digress about the the impact of Sandy. We do. We should probably stick to the hurricane, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, you know, you raised that point about how long it took to get your mom's house fixed up. Yeah. So many people were pretty much in the same boat, though, so to speak. No pun intended, uh, yeah. No pun intended. Yeah. I mean, there was just, 
weren't enough people, no matter how many people, how, how many dollars the U.S. threw in, you couldn't yeah. possibly have enough people to fix everything, right? Well, it what happened at the time for is everybody. The, uh, the big company that I was working for at the time, actually, very nicely, they paid, uh, if I'm getting this correct, if you don't want to fact check me, that'd be great. Okay. <laughs> but, but I know there was something along the lines of they paid to have food and maybe ice and, and water. Uh, they put it in a truck and they sent it out to the impacted employees of the company um, because there were so many. And they, it really was a situation where there, there was no drinking water. There was no, you know, the electricity was out. So there was no, there was no food. A lot of people lost, not the dunk, but a lot of people, a lot of people lost, you know, a lot of their, their life savings because all of that was, was wrapped up in their house, which, which was now decimated. Uh, when he had his house redone, by the way, three years later, I believe, interestingly, wisely, smartly, they built it eight feet higher. Than it, than it was to accommodate for another, for another horrific situation like this. And, you know, the interesting thing is, as we're talking about New Yorkers, I know I've always approached it like this, and, and I know in speaking to, to friends uh, nearby, a lot of us do as well, you know, there's a lot of, when you listen to the weather folk, weatherman, you know, the forecasters and whatnot, if I could do it all over again, I'd become a weatherman because there is zero accountability. You could just literally say, the world is going to end tomorrow in a cataclysmic blizzard. And then there's just a few snowflakes, and you're like, you know, eh, all right, you know, all right, what can I tell you? We'll try again tomorrow. Can't be right And then all the, the weatherman is just rolling in advertising <laughs> right. dollars that they got in advertising. From yes, exactly right. In. Exactly right. So with this, with Sandy, there was a lot of, oh my goodness, we're going to get the biggest hurricane of all time, and this is going to be a nightmare. And, you know, mass hysteria, cats and dogs living together for you Ghostbusters fans out there. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure, right. Um, and again, I, I guess for in our little neck of the woods, I was right. But certainly this was not a storm to be taken lightly, uh, nor was it just a, you know, a, 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 a flash flood or a little rainstorm. It was it was serious. Well, I was just going to say, I, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying because we... We go crazy. I mean, we're so far, like, we were slightly affected by Sandy, but we're like 200, 200 miles inland. So, right. yeah, we get a lot of rain when a hurricane comes through, but it's not exactly the same thing as actually being a barrier island on the ocean like, like the, the New York boroughs are. But, uh, yeah, we go nuts when they, when, you know, they predict a gigantic snowstorm. And half the time, like you right. say, doesn't right. actually happen. But when it does happen... It's a world-ending event, right? Everybody loses their power. You know, we're sort of like burning wood in the middle of our kitchen. I mean, it's just, you know, it's right. And that Right, and that is the thing. Like I said, I remember it being just another, oh, yeah, sure, gloom and doom. Oh, big storm. Ooh. Um, but, <laughs> you know. Uh, what's but it's expression? not like Florida or South Carolina where they know they can count they just have absolutely certainty right. there's going to right. be X number of hurricanes this year. And how many times does New York even get a hurricane? Once every 50 well, years, 60 right. years? Right, and like I was going to say, the old expression, even a broken clock is right twice a day. So I guess, <laughs> so I, so I guess these guys actually got it right for once, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, you, uh, so you guys never lost power in your high-rise? 
So Manhattan never really lost power, at least in Midtown. Now downtown, it was a different story because because I I was I actually had the thing on TV when that power station blew up. You know, well, CNN was broadcasting live. I saw the thing blew up. I heard it. I'm sitting here at my computer. I could see it on the screen. I'm like, holy moly! And then you could see, you know, the lights start going off. Well, right again, because it was like a wide sort of shot the, from the Empire State Building or something. Right, and that's the, that's the difference in New York City, downtown. Uh, downtown. Give it. If anybody wants to break into song, I'll pause. Da, 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 da. And pause over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're not going to be good, Thad. Um, <laughs> At least be inexpensive. Exactly right. <laughs> given given the, the geographical uh, layout of New York City and how it tends to thin out downtown, uh, there are certainly more impactful areas surrounded by water and, and a narrower piece of land. So when you do get these uh, storms and you get these elevation of the of the coastline and you get these you know massive waves that come in, the majority, if not all of the time, it's going to be impacted downtown just because of the way it's laid out. If you recall, uh, the World Trade Center was actually built on landfill because it wasn't actually uh, a part of Manhattan. Uh, a moment to, I didn't to, know that. I didn't yeah, know that. I, feel, I thought it was part of the, you know, no, the uh, lower, uh, the original Dutch no, a, a learning colony, moment for you whatever. kids at home. Okay. Uh, yeah. No. So it was. So that just speaks to how the, the how the coastline is really to a large extent uh, an artificial one. Well, I knew that about Boston. I knew that they had built it out considerably from what it was in yep. the back of the day, but I didn't realize right. that Manhattan was that way, which Manhattan I guess makes all the sense well. in the world. Yeah, yeah, Right. So when we get uh, bad bad storms, like I was saying, downtown is really the thing. But but for Midtown, unless it's something like a blackout or, or something to that effect, which we did, in fact, encounter at, at some point. I can't remember when. The, the entire Midtown was, was a blackout in parts of New York, and that's certainly problematic. But in terms of rising water levels, you're not really going to find that uh, Midtown or Uptown. So the the um, the blackout definitely happened after your slow cable incident. I think I think <laughs> I think at some point we lived on the. Uh, Oh gosh, I can't I can't remember that either. Maybe the 19th floor or something like that. And we had to walk up the stairs. Oh god, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh, good exercise, poor man. Good exercise. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I should remember what floor we were on, but I don't. So yeah, <laughs> I didn't even I mean, know you had so, a kid. So it's like, <laughs> so you know, but, Lisa but, was like, "Hey, Rob, you know, we've got a kid. Uh, just yeah. to let you know." So, oh, hey, check that out. <laughs> Check that out. I was wondering. I was wondering why, why uh, you know, I thought my wife was doing all this, uh, you know, un, un, uncontrollable sobbing in the other room. It turned out a baby. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, the, the, again, the, the, the tale of two cities. But, but Sandy, again, for, for a lot, a lot of people here in New York, it was, it was a, a nightmare. Not, you know, we, I, I'm making some jokes around it, but it really wasn't funny for, for, for my family and for my friends. So... Not what were the time. long-term effects on the city? Oh, I thought you, I, I was going to say. Well, we got new 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 cable. Uh, whole new dimensions. <laughs> we switched to Verizon. <laughs> it's, 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 um, screw I, Time I, Warner. Yes, I mean, literally, literally, literally. 
Um, it seems like your mom had a lot. It seems like your mom had to deal with a lot of shit. And you know there are some safeguards that were put in place, some some draining, uh, some extra draining uh, apparatus that were set up in in the burbs. And uh, like I was talking about, my friend the Donk, you know, houses were rebuilt higher. Uh, some people when they had their homes redone, they they opted to have them not where they were, but even further inland, uh, so they weren't as close to the water. Whereas before that was a premium spot. Now it was kind of, you know, oh, you know, oh crap, that could, that's a thing that can actually happen by being in this location. We better change and move. Well, and on that same topic, I just in researching a little bit for this podcast, I remembered two things that I've heard recently about homes. And you said, you know, a lot of people lost their life savings because, you know, a lot of their equity and their savings is built up in their house. You know, one thing that is happening within the housing market is that you can't, the vast majority of mortgage lenders won't give you a 30 year loan for a beachfront house anymore. Yeah. Because they, because they know that they're, you know, the, um, especially in places of Florida and like on the, you know, outer banks and stuff, they know that, you know, they're not going to probably, they're probably going to have to rebuild that house within the next 30 years. And then interestingly enough too, um, this last year, at the end of this year, uh, at the end of 2021 in Boulder, Colorado, they had a lot of wildfires, a lot of really weird freak wildfires on like December 29th or 30th or something like that. And um, what they're finding out now is, you know, so many of those homeowners who completely lost their houses, their homeowners, like their homeowners insurance policies were not updated. And so their homes weren't insured for the value of the actual house. So if someone in Boulder County had lived in their house for 20 years and they had insured their house 20 years ago for say $200,000 and now their house is worth whatever ungodly amount that all the houses in Colorado are worth now because everybody wants to move there, then you know their house burned down and now even though it's yeah. covered by insurance, they're still only getting $200,000 instead of the whatever $700,000 that their house normally would sell for. So on two fronts, it's getting harder, I think, to own a home and, you know, build equity in a home that's either on the waterfront or in really any place that is, you know, in a natural disaster area, because you have to make sure your homeowner's insurance policy is updated and also try to get something, I guess, a little better than a 30-year mortgage so hurricanes don't take it away. And and I wonder, you know, speaking of that and speaking of Florida, I know that from visiting my in-laws there and other friends, I know that there's hurricane protection and it reminds me of if, again I'm going to geek out for a moment but 1989's Batman you ever see when uh, Michael Keaton goes shields and like shields just drop over the Batmobile and nobody can get into it it's literally, it's like this thick armor uh, there in Florida there are these thick windows that drop down over the homes these thick metal shields uh, barricades you know protection that, that come down and I wonder if that was also a part of the rebuilding of these homes, not not just here, but uh, you know, in, in high impact areas. Interesting. Well, and I think that's for safety, and then also all the all the snowbirds who leave. Like, if you evacuate and you leave, well, then you know you don't want the want yeah. the wind to blow out your windows, and you know you come back six months later. Yeah, you'd like to come back to an actual home. <laughs> hey, that's where that's where my place used to be. <laughs> What was what was the I mean the attitude after this 
disaster? Was it like, you know, that was a one-off. It's not going to happen for another 100 years, so I'm not going anywhere. It's not like I'm leaving just because I was living in Soho and, you know, water up to my eyeballs. But that's never going to happen again. Or did people say, I'm out of here. Why am I living on an island next to the Atlantic? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know what? It's a good question. And and actually, I actually do remember what what the answer to that is, which is the fact that it's kind of like when we had 9-11, for example, and I'm, I'm not equating the two, but what I'm saying is is that this is now something, no pun intended, on the radar. This is something that can happen. It's not necessarily going to happen again tomorrow or next week or next month or next year or in the next 10 years, but it is something that can happen. So you just kind of add it to your conscious or you, you add it to your list of Oh, these are things that I need to keep in mind to this day from 9-11 as an example. I have a quote-unquote go bag in my closet, which consists of a a large, I mean a huge bottle of of, of water and uh, a battery-charged radio. And I probably shouldn't say cash because the crime in New York's been a little nuts lately. Uh, let's say let's say I have five dollars in cash. I see somebody crawling through your window yeah, 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 behind yeah, yeah, yeah. you. Yeah. Right. But yeah, so it just kind of yeah. So it's interesting. To, so to to this day, it it makes you aware of things that you weren't aware of before. So you put extra medication in there. Uh, you put uh, a first aid kit in there. Just uh, because I remember at the time they were talking about having quote unquote go bags. And to this day, it's, it's still there in a backpack. So it just, I think that was the that was the mindset at the time for those who lived through it is like, oh, you know, this can happen. This is something that we need to keep in mind, especially for the, for the folks that, that lost houses, especially for the folks that, like my mom, had to rebuild or, you know, get back to it. That, you know, every time, every time they predict, uh, true story, every time they predict bad weather, my mother gets a little nervous. Well, and I was also going to ask you, just so uh, before we sort of wrap things up with you, does the fact that, so, you know, we're not going to, we try to avoid wading into political controversies, which we have absolutely no influence on. So I hate to say those two C words, but there's, it's kind of difficult to argue with the increasing severity of storms. You know, um, uh, it, of all kinds, tornadoes, hurricanes, Texas was just underwater, eight feet underwater a week ago. Sure. I mean, who, who thought a desert could be eight feet underwater? But anyway, yeah. so does that figure in to either your logic, your friends, your mom, like all the people in Manhattan saying, hey, guess what, guys? And, and I always keep hearing about that you guys have all these plans about how you're dealing with water rising around you and stuff like that. You live on an island. Right. So, and it's, you know, it's a barrier island. God made barrier islands to be barrier islands, not necessarily to be beachfront property, right? <laughs> it was right. supposed to protect the mainland. And, right. uh, you know, the Native Americans knew enough not to live there, you know, when the Dutch showed up. <laughs> so right. that's why they were able to give it up for so so cheap, you know, to two, right. 250 guilders. But, I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, well, to, to avoid making this a political conversation... Right. Uh, let, let, let's just assume when you say CC, you're referring to Charlie Chaplin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll uh, say climate change. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. 
Uh, yes, of course. If you you know the, there there are, there are some funny people who believe in in quirky things like science, fact, data, uh, verified crazy, information. crazy. Yeah, you know you know crazy talk. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, you know, I think, again, that that is part of the ongoing conversation and, and how to, you know, preparations around that. Again, you know, doing what you can here for that. But again, I think if we were to, and, and I've read articles on it, like I said, it's downtown where the, the, the rising um, coastlines are really most problematic. But as things worsen, it's only a matter of time. Uh, again, b- before Midtown becomes impacted um, by by such things, or if keep, things keep going the way they are, Midtown could become the new downtown. That's, <laughs> <laughs> Let's knows? just move yeah. Wall Street up to Central Park. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hey, look at that! So, <laughs> cool. Look, look at that. So, Ellie, do you have anything else you want to ask our illustrious guest? The biggest question I had is. Um, you mentioned that your in-laws, you know, are in Florida. So during Hurricane Sandy, did they have any good uh, hurricane party advice for you? Like, like when I lived in Florida, like we had hurricane parties. A, a hurricane is a, re- it's like <laughs> a snow day, but like a hurricane day, you know, you just. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, my, my father-in-law uh, has since passed. Uh, shout, shout out to Big Lair. Um, and he actually... <laughs> that could be a whole other podcast, actually a series. He had he was living in in Central Florida uh, or Southern, I think, whatever whatever Palm Beach is or Boynton Beach, and uh, <laughs> the, the the hurricanes were, had, had, you know, they were predicting. I think you know again mass hysteria, and as a result of such, he moved to Ocala North, you know, to be away from the from the storms down down south was very very nervous and afraid uh of the, of the storms there and uh wow you know i considered actually leaving florida i think ocala was the concession but yeah but i think when you live in florida hurricanes are, are part of the deal uh you know beautiful sunshine in the middle of winter nice temperature in the middle of winter potentially catastrophic hurricanes at any point yeah, like most Floridians, their go bag has like all the minis that they need to make their favorite drink for one week straight. Yes, yes, which is nine out of times just beer, I think. But I think that's another podcast as well. <laughs> Sounds like we need to build an entire series just around your life, Rob. I'm I'm wondering if if next time I should bounce the two of you out and I should just have my own show. I'm, I'm, I'm kicking it around. <laughs> Well, that's what Len keeps telling you. Maybe, you know, maybe just me and Bernice. Well, well, <laughs> well, that's what Beyonce did with Destiny's Child. So, hey, you know, you, you know, a guy that can help out if you decide I, to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, thanks for coming. Yes, thank you, everybody. Yes, thanks, everybody. It was a pleasure to be back. So that rescues us from this episode, folks. I'm heading out to the FEMA shelter at the Medville High School Gymnasium on Long Island to get ready for that next big storm. Hopefully they'll still have a sleeping bag and a bottle of water for me. I want to thank our amazing guest Rob from Manhattan's East Side for his first-person account of Hurricane Sandy. And of course, kudos to my co-host Ellie and our artificial intelligence engine, Bernice. We hope that you'll follow or subscribe to Scamsheet on your favorite pod platforms. And share it with all your friends. 
We'd also love it if you'd leave a shameless, over-the-top rave review on Apple Podcasts especially. That helps us build audience. Also, we want to hear from you. You can reach us online at scandalsheetpod.com, Facebook or Twitter, or just send us an email to contact at scandalsheetpod.com. We'll see you next time on Scandal Sheet. Copyright 2022. Thad Helsley Media LLC. All rights reserved.